with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good day to you. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Actually, Ghost Chronicles Original. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsing. With me, the queen of pain herself, Maureen Wood. Hey, that was a mouthful. But anyway, good job. Mouthful what? <laughs> a lot of things to remember, just saying. It's, I, I've been saying that for over 20 years. You think I? You know, I know, but it just seems like this I long string, and I, I think it's fantastic that you just can, you know, can spread do it so. out. That's all. Pretty yeah, much. I, mean, I don't even have to be awake to say it. Just ah. Anyway. Put Jan. She probably you probably say it all night. I doubt it. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we have somebody on the show today who we've known for quite a while, right? She was. We met, I don't, well, we, we got our first book published through her, right? It kind of? Well, she introduced us to our agent, and because yeah. I, I met Marley a long time ago. How many years has it been now, Marley? Oh, my gosh. Uh, 2001? No, <gasps> three. Three or four. <sighs> Uh, yeah, I've, I've lost thought. It's been so long. That's crazy. It's been it's been twenty years, hasn't it? Wow. Yeah, it's been, at it, least you uh, That's you should funny. introduce our guest other than Molly. <laughs> <She's saying. laughs> yeah, that would be good. Yes, Ron, go, so ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. She's up right for twenty thousand years. Oh, well, Marley Gibson. Uh, and excuse me, Molly is right now you moved from New England and you are in Savannah, Georgia for how many years now? We just started t- year 10. Year so was it Molly Gibson or Molly Burns? I, I was confused about that. Well, technically I'm married to a Burns, but I didn't give up my first name just because I had my books published under Gibson. Yeah. So more people, yeah, people know me that way. Okay. But technically, I am a Burns. <laughs> I, I didn't want to insult you. That's why I didn't want to introduce you. <laughs> oh, no worries. Well, I knew she was a Gibson because of her wonderful books. The you know all the the plethora of books that you have, Molly. Which you could you know if you'd like to um, bring that up, that'd be fantastic for the listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I'm kind of known for my Ghost Hunters series, which is kind of how things got started for me. Uh, my series is a seven-book series about uh, teenage ghost hunters, and I literally was sitting at the New England Romance Conference, no, New England Romance Writers Conference, in golly, what was it, 2004, I think, and you guys did a presentation on ghost mm-hmm. hunting, and I don't know what happened, but some magical little light went off in me, and I said I have to write a series about teenage ghost hunters. And I started going ghost hunting with you guys. You got my feet wet. 
and I have just not stopped since. <laughs> wow. So you got the paranormal bug, right? I did. I got totally bitten by you guys got me bitten. And uh, I think that, <laughs> that infection is still there. And I mean, Savannah, it doesn't get any crazier haunted than Savannah. I mean, this town is amazing and the stories are amazing. Just the history of the city, uh, you know, just like New England, you know, it's an old part of the country. It's got a lot of scars. It's got a lot of history, both positive and negative. And I think when you have those strong areas throughout the country, uh, you just can't help but have, you know, this kind of eerie kind of aura to the place. Yeah. Now you've been there. You've also married a young ghost hunter. Well, it's not young anymore, but you was at one time. (laughs) That's nice. Oh, he was at one time. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Patrick Burns, who uh, actually was on a TV show way, 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 way back. Uh, one of the earliest ghost hunting shows on TV. Yeah, he did. He did have one of the first ones. It was called Haunting Evidence. Started on Truth TV. I'm sorry, that's wrong. It started on Court TV. And then it uh, moved to True TV when they changed their brand. Um, and he had three seasons of uh, Haunting Evidence where he and two psychics investigated cold cases, homicides, and missing persons. So um, that that was cool. And uh, then he and I have also done Ghost Adventures, Paranormal Challenge. I've done Ghost Brothers. Uh, we've just done all these silly shows. <laughs> mm-hmm. Silly in that meaning. Silly in that, you know, setting up the interviews and doing all that stuff. But it's it's not silly. It's really cool in all the things we've seen in our travels and continue to witness. And, you know, you pay attention around you in a city like Savannah, you you can't help but notice, you know, what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. So is your house. And now, no, our house isn't. Um, We have, when we live downtown on Broughton street, which is like the main kind of drag for Savannah, it was the original, like, you know, downtown street. We used to live in an old, um, we used to live in a loft that was an old hotel, I believe. And I think it was a flop house at one point way back when, but um, we had a lot of creepy, weird things that would happen in that apartment. We had light bulbs that would explode and then we could never find the evidence of the glass, you know, like so really? you would hear the light bulb. Yeah. You would hear the light bulbs shatter. And you would hear the, the trinkle of the glass as it was falling to the floor, but we never found the glass. Even when we moved out and we had a professional cleaning staff clean the place, they never found any glass and never did we. However, we have at least two, we have at least fo- two photos of broken light bulbs of just exploding in there. Wow. Wow. You either have very just, you know, very neat spirits that are visiting um, we're visiting, right? <laughs> Cleaning it up, like they break your the bulbs, but they're kind enough to clean it, right? I need so, that kind of ghost. I mean, can they just I clean my know. house? <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's yeah. funny is you know not to digress, but Ron, do you remember going out to Georgia to meet to see Deirdre, and then wasn't there like a story from one woman on 
uh, who was at the airport saying that there was a spirit that would make the bed. Yeah, that was the one that yeah, almost missed that flight. Yeah, it was the TSA person that almost made us miss <laughs> yes. our flight because she wanted to tell us all about this ghost. That's yeah. hilarious. That would make her, that would make her oh, bed. And I'm riot. thinking, wow. I mean, with all the spirits we've connected with over the like the years, I've never met one that made my bed. I will tell you that. I would so, really love to meet one that would make I the bed. Know. I yeah. know. There have one. There have been ghosts that uh, are ca- cases that uh, that money has appeared. Ghosts have uh, made it rain money at times in the house. Really? Yeah, I need that one too. I need that ghost too. Yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. Now Probably I will tell you something. You guys, I don't know if you guys have experienced this. Um, I, I think that because of what we do. Because we look for ghosts, because we pay attention, because we look for signs and stuff like that, when we have had members of our own family get sick and pass since then, we have had some incredible experiences with family members that we have lost since we have been ghost hunting. And it's it's interesting, you know, death is never fun no matter who it is, you know, it's, it's, even if it's an old person, even if it's an old person who's lived a lovely, full, wonderful life, there's still, you know, the sadness. And, and when, when the person, when that person deteriorates and disappears from your life, but I have to say through my ghost hunting and my research and everything, I've been able to really experience a different level with the passing of my dad, my brother, and my mother, the past you know, let's see, my dad died almost 10 years ago. My brother died almost, I think it was what, seven years ago. And mother will be, I think four, four or five years this year. Um, yeah, just in the course of, you know, it's never easy to lose people, but I think my paranormal research helped me with their transitions. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you're more aware, right? Like you're, excuse me, you're more aware and understanding and realizing that there's more going on. So I think at some level, it's almost as if you're training your your brain in your logical side to say, yeah, this is actually happening, right? This is taking place. Right, because I mean, life and death are inevitable, you know, beginning and end. It's all going to happen to all of us and it's inevitable. But it's not something that you should dwell on and be depressed about, you know. Um, And I think with the ghost hunting and, you know, sadly seeing your parents pass away, even though they're old and have lived a long life, there are things you watch for as, as they're making their transition. And I think what was so beautiful for my mother, especially since she was, she was the third one, um, you know, dad and my brother had already passed, but she would see them. She would see my dad in the hospital and she had had a stroke wow. and her mouth was incapacitated and she would talk, talking like, you know, she would have to mumble what she wanted. But at one moment, you know, Patrick and I are like helping her in the hospital and she just sits up in bed with the most clarity and looks out in the hallway and she goes, Joe, is that you? Joe, that's my wow. dad. And I said, I know. I said, is dad out there? And she said, she said, yeah. I said, you saw dad. She said, yeah. I said, what do you look like? She said he was young. 
Mm-hmm. And it didn't bother her. It didn't upset her. And my mother was such a strong, devout, religious Christian woman. She was a church organist for 70 years. She was concerned that, that Patrick and I ghost hunt. She thought we were dabbling into something we shouldn't. But in the end, she looked at me and she said, I get it. You know, she understood uh-huh. what we were doing. And it was, it was beautiful. In and the sadness, that alone is amazing, you know? To, to get that validation, Molly, must have made you feel good, you know, to, to have her recognize what you guys have been telling her for so long, right? Absolutely. And for it to mix with her own religion. Right. You know, because, you know, we, we're all raised a certain way and we're raised with religious beliefs and there's nothing wrong with that. We all, you know, it's, it's how we're raised. And sometimes those religious beliefs can keep you, I think, from having a little bit more of an open mind, but you know, our religion teaches us to love and to have an open mind and to, you know, pay attention around us. I, at least I think so. I think, I think we were given this planet and we were given each other as a gift and we just kind of have to, well, we definitely need to treat each other better and we need to take better care of our planet and all that good stuff. But I think we just need to understand each other, you know, and, I definitely think that when you're connected through love, that that's a big thing. And it can help that process of losing somebody, knowing that they, they're they going to go be with people that loved them. That's just, that is knowing that dad was there for her, knowing my grandmother was there for my dad, knowing that my brother... When he passed away, he had two tears coming out of his eyes. He had two dried lines coming out of the, both of his eyes, and he had the biggest smile on his face when he passed away. And we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't get it to go away. Mm-hmm. And the feeling of seeing that, although it was sad, was quite beautiful. Because mm-hmm. you wondered, what in the world did he see that made him that joyous and that beautifully happy, you know? You know, the one of the most amazing shows, that it, outstanding shows that in all 20 years I've been doing this was back in the early days, uh, WCCM, we had this uh, woman by the name of Dietra, who was uh, a grief, uh, she taught grief management to hospice workers and, and uh, EMTs and, and so forth. And she did a lot of work at a, at a children's hospice. And, and she told some amazing stories about how these children would see like grandmothers and grandfathers who had died before they were born. And, and yet they knew who wow. they were and, the, and, the, and they weren't afraid. They were, you know, they had this, this connection with them. And uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I know even when my, my mom, uh, my father passed away at a, at a cookout, uh, family cookout, and never got to say goodbye to my mo- mother. And that night, uh, he came to her in the bedroom. Now she was a devout Catholic, and and you know didn't believe in any of this stuff, uh, pretty much like I was back at the time. And uh, he was there. He showed up, all dressed up, all and you know he didn't look sick, didn't look thing. He had a suit on and everything else. She screamed, of course, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he went away, but, but, you know, that's, that's the, the number one sighting of spirits is what, what I call messenger ghosts. And that's people that have passed or 
have come back to to say, you know, see you at the last time or, or to let you know that they're okay and uh, to move on. So it, it's interesting. Uh, it's and it's also very heartwarming too. It really is. And as sad as you are during those times, it does bring you some 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 oh. solace knowing. Absolutely. And I will tell you, uh, I'll tell you another funny thing. So um, my mother adored Patrick, absolutely adored her. She just thought he hung the moon. And I, I think that she, you know, she didn't really understand the whole ghost hunting thing. And he kind of explained it to her and told her, you know, I think had some good conversations about it. She was very open-minded about it. And um, something very interesting when we returned from uh, we had to go to Alabama for her funeral when we returned um I was back in our bedroom and he was in our kitchen and he um he told me like I heard him in the kitchen I heard him kind of talking and then he came back to the bedroom and he said I think I just saw your mother I'm like what he said yeah I was in the kitchen and I saw this short dark figure kind of moving towards me he had said, I've had to come tell you. And I'm like, you didn't do EVP? <laughs> and he laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, well, we usually don't do that stuff in our house. I'm like, yeah, no, we don't. But I think we need to. So I stayed where I was. He went back in the kitchen. He turned, he turned his uh, recorder on. And he goes, Liz, is that you? And he's like, I see in my peripheral, I see something that's about five foot nothing, which she was. And on the recording, you can hear this very refined voice go, ghost, and really <laughs> overemphasizes the part. Now, my mother was a school teacher, and that's what she did. She overemphasized words, especially when she was trying to get you to listen to that word. <laughs> it was kind of a funny thing uh-huh. she would do. So the fact that he has an EVP that says ghost. It's like she gave him a gift that said, you're doing it right, Patrick. She did it to him, not for me. She gave him that gift, not me. Yeah, and I love that. I, we did a, we just did it, no, not too long ago, a couple of the, probably, well, actually with COVID and all this, I guess it was a couple of years ago. We did this place up in uh, New Hampshire and uh, we went in and, you know, I, I, we were doing the recorders, Jim was doing the recorders and it, we pass it around a lot of times and it came to me and I introduced myself. This is Ron Kolick from the New England Ghost Project. Uh, who are you? And uh, when you come back, we played it again, of course, without any, you know, through the thing. And you hear, not a ghost. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Not a ghost. Yeah, I probably insulted. I'm a spirit, not a ghost. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's you know. <laughs> that is funny though. Yeah, it's the, yeah. He's correcting you, Ron. Mm. <laughs> Fun stuff. Well, it, it, I really think uh something that you know I learned from you guys is that there's always a connection. You know, when you go somewhere, you can always you can always find that connection and that's what you want to do. Like when you go to a location, you want to find that location, that voice, that something that indicates that it's there or that it's tied to a property or a location or stuff. 
that's what we get here in Savannah a lot. You know, you get a lot of um, probably place memory or um, uh, just spirits that are reclaimed over and over. I think, yeah, residual. Have you guys ever been, been to Savannah? No, that's on my bucket list, though. Uh, no, have not. Uh, I feel like was we were Atlanta, right? Yeah, Atlanta. That was where we were. Yeah, you guys would have a field day down here. Trust me. I'm sure. Yeah. Maureen well, would yeah, have to I... like. You'd have to be like in a, a like a chain link mental armor suit or something. Like a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a helmet. Oh, you would need a helmet. All you would need is Van Helsing's special blend. We all know. Oh that. yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like even yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that would go. But you know, I mean, going to Gettysburg the first time, even driving outside of Gettysburg, like 50 miles away, I thought I had eaten a piece of bad meat. <laughs> because Excuse we, me. <laughs> we were so well. We was we were so far away. I never related. Like feeling just not well and feeling sick and feeling all this you know, like weighted heaviness and like this whole bit of energy. It took me like till we got there and I had a lot of experiences um, to realize, the, oh, maybe it wasn't something I ate. Mari was the first time. Like, it, 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 <laughs> it was the first time because okay. I was there with my husband. Right. Okay. So, so that was, I was uh, there because. For ghostology. No, actually, it was before that. No, that um, was... I had gone there when just my husband and myself, because oh, we okay. had dropped our son off to college at okay. Penn State, and he wanted to go for like you know sightseeing in Gettysburg, and I thought I don't know if this is a great idea, um, but okay, I guess I'll go. And it was just yeah, it just was uh, a lot, and I think so that kind of that trip, huh? <laughs> exactly. I mean. Not even a joke, but going, you know, when you go to, I don't know if it's like the major town hall where it's across the street, it's like a, the history area where you go across the street, it's the big park where Lincoln spoke. Um, yeah. And they have like tours that go and they walk through that all the time. And that was horrible. I mean, I went and as I'm walking with my husband and about 25 people in a tour group, I, I, all of a sudden I was so exhausted. I couldn't move and I dropped to the ground, just sat there and couldn't move. And he's like, really, you're embarrassing me. Get off the floor, the ground. I said, I can't, something's wrong. And all of a sudden the tour guide said, oh, and can you imagine how exhausted these, you know, the men were that were pushing the cannons up the hill. They would just drop to the ground <laughs> in exhaustion. So he just looked at me and went, ah, you know? And I think, but that actually was good for him, you know, to experience because he realized it wasn't something made up. It was just picking up on that energy. So, yeah, still not fun. Still didn't believe. So what difference does it make? No, you know what? And I know I don't want to get to really take away the show, but I have to tell you, last week I was shocked. So every anybody, well, Ron would know, right? And Molly knows my husband, Stephen. Well, now everybody does. Um, but he has always been the, he's afraid of the dead. You know, he's horrified of those past and he's living with a medium. So it's always been interesting. Um, but I will say <laughs> last week, actually, was the funniest thing. I like 
couldn't sleep, so I'm taking cough syrup, taking this, taking that. So let's just say I fell asleep. I was unconscious, right? I get up the next morning. He's standing there, and he's like, so did you did you notice that your mother was here last night? <laughs> now, my mother is passed. Yeah. She's been gone for 12 years, right? And I said, what do you mean Ma was here? He said, well, I smelled her perfume, ambush. I could feel something weird in the room, he said, and then I could smell her the the perfume that she wore and I thought I'm gonna wake Maureen up and he said and I couldn't <laughs> so I think to me it's just huge that he's actually was willing to you know to, yeah, to say that that's, anyway. that's a huge step for him yeah anyway and he's picked up exactly we are coming wow. up to the break so we have to take a little break right now so uh, oh man oh man <laughs> <laughs> Such a whiner. <laughs> Anyways, you're listening to I don't know what something. All right, I mean, what have you got to say before I go into this? That's so important. Well, fine. So, Molly, if somebody wants to find out more information about you, how can they? Um. Yeah. Um. I'm usually. It's really terrible. My website's down, but um, people can reach oh, me nice. through Facebook. I know. Isn't that great? That's real professional, isn't it? Um, but no, um, folks can reach us through uh, com. That is our tour in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy in the Kilt. Uh, Patrick. Dang. Yep. He wears his kilt every night on tour. Uh, he is Love half Scottish, half Irish. We are a very Celtic town. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, it started out of the necessity of the hot weather here and him enjoying wearing his kilt to right. uh, it, it's, it's his shtick now because that's uh, how people identify. We got to go. We gotta go. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles right here on Tojinet, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Memorick Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, not the end of Massachusetts, and our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Become a member and get access to exclusive crap. We'll be right back after the following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Located in Illinois, there lies a sleepy little town where nothing is a common occurrence. You going to that party in town tonight? Heck yeah! I only turned 18 once. That is until the night of celebration. Where the hell is she? Oh no. No, 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 Jessica! What's happening? 
from the creators of Shadowhunters bite me comes a tale of primal terror. Grind called mayhem. Shadowhunters, kill Jessica, kill! <laughs> Harry Price, I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles right here on Tuesday. And our special guest tonight is author and ghost hunter, uh, Molly Gibson. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> you know, it's typical, Molly. I ask you where people can find you, and then all of a sudden you go off in a peel. Like every woman that you know, you ask a woman hey. a yes or no question. Hey, don't be picking on Molly. Big no, not Molly, women in general, all women. You ask them a yes or no question, and they give you this long story. Right? You didn't ask a yes or no, you ask her it for info. Yes no. It was simple. Where, where can people find you? I didn't ask why, why, why Patrick was in Savannah. What's, what's the name of the ghost group again? Our tour is called Guy in the Kilt. Guy in the Kilt. Oh, yeah, because cause Patrick yeah. likes... Do we have the go into this big story when ghost kills? Yep. Okay, fine. That's cool. And it's the tenth year anniversary. You said. Yep, we we're in our in tenth tenth year. Our, our company is called Exploration Point, and our tour is called Guy in the Kilt. So, wow. um, yeah, we we have a lot of fun here in Savannah. It's uh, like I said, it's uh, it's very active, and it's never a dull moment here in this town. <laughs> Definitely not. Wow. Now, I have to ask, so the tour itself, is it, now I know that um, usually they, you go outside, is it like a walking tour outside and you visit places or do you get to go in the establishments? How does that work? Um, all the establishments here in Savannah are privately owned. So um, all the tours that go out at night, nobody goes into any locations because they're private locations. 
there's okay. one place we have one place called the Sorrell Weed House. Um, a lot of people come in town and think it's a, disp- a dispensary, so um, <laughs> they'll go there <laughs> thinking because you know we have medical uh, marijuana in Georgia, so they that has been a, a little different angle of this place. But the Sorrell Weed House is actually a very old house. The family it was the Sorrell and the Weed families that owned those uh, ha- the house. And the oh property. my god! I know, but it's got, it's got some pretty creepy stories attached to it. So, um, but they do allow investigations of their property. It is owned by a foundation now. So, um, we, when people ask us, you know, where can we investigate in Savannah? We always recommend that they go to the Sorrell Weed House because they have it organized at night where folks can do, uh, small investigations. So, um, I mean, you, there, there are plenty of places to, to, you know, creep around in Savannah, but if folks want one of those really good, uh, ghost hunting experiences at a really haunted location that's been it's been on every TV show. Uh, I highly recommend that. And, and Patrick, they, you know, we recommend people to them all the time. Um, but as far as our tour, you know, we walk around, we stand outside of places, tell stories. Patrick, you know, teaches people about, uh, you know, a lot of the terminology of ghost hunting and, and just living in a haunted town and how to, pay attention and recognize things and stuff like that. So we have a lot of fun. And then uh, I also, in addition to my writing, I also work as a concierge now uh, in one of the local hotels. So I, I get to, yeah, I get to tell people about our folklore and legends and stuff and book tours for them as well. So it's, uh, we've really, you know, dug our feet in deep here into the history and city of Savannah. And we, we really love that we're a part of it. Now, weren't you down now, the hotel in you're West at? Oh, sorry, wait, 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 wait. Weren't you down in Key West for a while? <laughs> we were in the Keys for about three years. Yeah, we got married in the Keys. We got married underwater. And uh, we lived down there for about almost three years. But um, as beautiful and wonderful and lovely as the Keys are, it's very hard to get anywhere from there. So we were finding that it was really difficult to get to events and get up to see the kids and stuff. Cause we were just at the end of the, we were literally at the end of the United States. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, and also our RV lot got sold out from underneath us. So we kind of had to find a new place and that's how we ended up in Savannah. Um, Patrick has been doing events here since 2000. So he's really familiar with the city and it just, it's kind of like Savannah called to us, uh, really, really called to us because, uh, it is it is a town full of people from other places, and we all just seem to sort of blend and meld in together, and it's just kind of really beautiful. Uh, we've got a really, really strong medical community here, a military community. It's, uh, you know, we've got the ports here. Savannah is the second busiest port on the East Coast uh, behind New York, New Jersey, and that, that's kind of hard to fathom. We're the fourth busiest port in the entire country behind oh, wow. LA. Yeah. Long beach is number one. LA is two. New York, New Jersey's three. And we're number four. So that's it's, why they uh, blockaded it during the civil war. That's right. They, they literally came up the river to find a high point advantage. Uh, when the settlers came here in 1733 and we are up on a bluff. So, you know, we, Although we've had skirmishes, it it was a military advantage here in Savannah. And though although we've had hurricanes, 
we are also a weather advantage up here on the hill as well. Excellent. So. Excellent. Yeah. So isn't that Savannah? That's where the uh, Garden of Good and Evil gravestone is, right? Yes. Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, uh, yeah. the book and the movie, occurred here. And the, the, the crime is when an antiques owner killed um, – who was his lover at the time also worked for him and he was 20 i think he was 25 but it was such a scandal back in the 80s uh you know it was very scandalous jim williams the antique dealer went on trial four times for the murder uh kept the trial kept having you know juries thrown out and they just it was a mess and he was finally acquitted on the fourth trial but he died almost a year to the day in the same almost exact footprint of where Danny Hansford's body fell in his own house. It's kind of, it's just, it's just a weird, weird story. That's and uh, it, yeah, it's really eerie. Yeah. And uh, the story put Savannah on the map. So we, we have the gazillion dollar tourism industry down here. We have basically because of a murder. Wow. So cool. Didn't they have to like kind of protect cool. that grave or something because people were were doing things to it? Yeah. And stuff? So it, it was the grave of the Tatnell family, and they are one of the original, I believe, one of the original families from way back in the day. And it was on one of the graves, the statue of the Bird Girl. And people would go out there, and it started. You know, they used that statue for the cover of the book, and it was that people would just go out and visit it. But then people had to go out and start messing with it. People had to take yeah. little pieces of it. Oh, I'll okay, just take so a tiny the bird little. Girl? Yes, the bird girl. Her name is Wendy, yeah. and she is now in the Telfair Museum. So they did protect her. They saved her, and it's it's a beautiful statue. So if you come to Savannah, you can go. I, I sell tickets to that museum. Oh, you do? <laughs> you so, do. okay. <laughs> so, all right, what I want to know, so the hotel that you're a concierge at, do you? is it haunted, or is it a newer hotel, an older hotel? So this is interesting because our general manager does not believe in any of this stuff. And he actually will, he'll encourage people to go take one of those goofy ghost tours sometimes. Um, he's a great general manager, but he's not really good when it comes to tourism. <laughs> but I did some research on our hotel, uh, the property where our hotel sits. Now, of course, they literally just finished renovations on my hotel. Huge, like gazillion dollar renovations. And, um, oh, sure. It's the Hampton Inn on Bay is where I work. And um, they, it used, the property used to be a livery and a stable back in the day. So um, it, it then became part of a Coca-Cola bottling factory, uh, part of a storage. And then uh, somebody bought it, turned into a boutique hotel. And then uh, I guess whoever owns Hampton bought it and they turned it into a, you know, a, a franchise hotel. But what's interesting is when I first started working there, I started working at that hotel about a year ago. I had a lady ask me why she was hearing horses. She said, I heard, I heard horses in my room. I'm like, huh. what? She said, yeah, I heard like some neighing and whinnying. And that's when I looked up the property and I found that it, it had once been a stable. So um, I shared that with the prop with the, with the general manager, and he kind of looked at me like we're really stretching it. But you guys know history. I know, we know, we investigate these properties and stuff. And when somebody tells you they hear a horse winning and it was a stable back in the day, 
you have yeah, to put a little exactly. check mark to that. Oh, absolutely. Because I know that Ron, you know, at first, Ron never really believed in animals that would, when they'd pass, they'd be, you know, well, leave an imprint. Dr. McDougall, we know that they have no soul. Oh, please. The guy who measured the soul. Well, he's full of BS. But anyway, um, Ron, <laughs> if that was the case, if you remember the heat gun when we were in that, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, in the restaurant, and you followed that cat around. 1859 house. It was a what thermal was imager. Oh, thermal Lord. Imager. It was still a heat gun, but whatever. whatever. Um, thermal imaging gun. Sorry. And <laughs> when we were at the Tenney Gatehouse, remember we did the EVPs and we're asking how many spirits were there. And then I think we were saying there was seven. But then you mm -hmm. had, we listened to the EVP and we could hear the dog barking or I could hear the dog barking. And you're like, there's no dog. And then we played back the EVP and you could definitely hear behind our words what we were saying that there was this like loud bark and then i i want to say that someone mentioned that there was a dog that used to live at the property years before that before it was, it was actually, a it was actually uh, if you remember there's that famous picture of me in the monk's costume uh or gob and uh <laughs> yeah and that was because the the monks used to live there at one time because that whole place including up the hill was part of the the order and uh, yeah, one of the the uh, monks had a dog and he was actually buried behind the Teddy Gay House. Oh, I didn't know the dog was buried behind there. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh, oh look at that. We visited um, the Sedamsville Rectory up in Cincinnati. The very first time we visited, we kept getting on the EDP and we got dog barks and we got references to let the dogs out and, you know, stuff like that. And the closets, um, when, when the couple first bought the house, they noticed the closets all had these claw marks and stuff. Find out it was a house that used to have dog fighting in it. Not only oh, that, it was not only that, it was a guy who was part of Michael Vick's dog ring back ooh, in the day ooh. and we actually got an evp that said vic and you could hear dogs barking that was mm, messed really? up That's yeah cool. that is wow it's cool almost all at the same time very cool but yeah i mean but again that that is what and you guys taught me this and i think it's something that is important when you're ghost hunting is that when you find something that doesn't make sense or doesn't necessarily throw a, a light back to the property, you have to make a note of it and you have to wonder what that is and you have to research it. And you, it's, I'm going to say nine times out of 10, you're going to find out X that you heard leads you back to that property or somebody on that property. And that, that to me is the full circle moment that takes me out of being just a ghost hunting enthusiast into wow this is history yeah that's yeah, that's ghost, well ghost said hunting. absolutely yeah, yeah ghost hunting in history was tied hand in hand because you can't have ghost hunting without history <laughs> quite frankly right but a lot of people didn't... a lot of people just want that fear factor or you know oh i just want you know i want daisy to come to me and scare me you know when you can go to locations and you can see you know, the layers of history and our own history, I, I, I guess I, that's the geek in me more so than 
than the I don't I don't do it for entertainment. I do it more for the rush of the history and our past and knowing that we're doing the right things, that kind of thing. Right. I mean, <clears throat> I have to say, so I don't know why, but I've been drawn lately on Facebook. I'm in all these like uh, NDE groups and, you know, different, what? you know, parent, well, near what death experience. Near death. Oh, oh, near yeah, death. Yeah, NDE. Yeah. Excuse me. So near death experience and then different groups that are like the paranormal groups and so forth, just to kind of see, you know, dip my toes in, if you will, to see what's going on. And I got to tell you, sometimes I'm like, oh, like I try not to even respond because it drives me crazy. And I'm not saying, oh, I know it all, but I don't I can't even tell you how many times someone will share a picture. Right. And you'll have this family and there's some amazing ones. There was one that this person said, this looks like we had a family picture. It was so and so's birthday party. And if you can see right behind this person's their shoulder and they're all laughing and smiling and right behind their shoulder after when we you know, had it develop. Look at this is my grandmother. and You can see her face and this one you literally could see it. Right. And everybody's yeah. responding, oh, that's an evil entity. Um, they're pretending to be family members. I'm like, oh, would you people please? I mean, not I I, it's not like television, right? That I think partly watching the television, everybody assumes that there is every spirit out there is demonic um, and that there's something evil. Now, I do believe that evil exists. I just don't believe it's as prevalent as everybody would like to say it is put it the that way prob- i totally agree with you the problem with those pictures on facebook and many other places is that today's technology is absolutely too good and steve and i were just talking about this on the international show is that you can do absolutely any especially with ai now you can absolutely do anything with oh absolutely uh, things so you can very easily put your grandmother's face on that picture you could easily put anything. I mean, you can't, quite frankly, you can't honestly trust any pictures anymore because of really the, the technology we have. And it's not a, a slight saying that these aren't real or anything else. It's just you can't trust them because the technology is so oh, damn absolutely. good nowadays. Well, I think the oh. nice part was there were a few people that were on the post, which came back and actually took the photo and put it into like Adobe or whatever and was trying to disprove it. No, they were trying Mm -hmm. to disprove it and say, but they said, you know, when you look at it, there was something to do with the, the contrast level was the same as this and this and this. And so they were giving a great explanation that they actually went through and were looking closely to see if it wasn't like something superimposed or somebody put a face in there or, you know, and they said the it does look realistic. Take a picture of a picture and you're going to get the, the same aspect because the, the contrast will be the same in the, in the second picture that's taken. Or, or you can actually use filters in certain things. Unless you're, you're, I, we just can't trust them, quite frankly. You really can't. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not saying no, that. that's fine. Are, and I get it. These aren't real, but you yep. just can't trust because of the technology, which is so amazingly good this year, uh, this t- time in our lives. Time period. Yeah. And I, I get that. And the thing is, is that, but then again, many pictures that you've taken over the years and we've taken at the, you know, ghost project, there's been some amazing photos, right? That and some we were of them I've actually disproved over the years too. 
Right. But what I'm saying is someone would look at them and say, oh, that has to be altered, right? And faked. Yeah. Um, so, you know, well, I guess it thing, comes down to you knowing then, where though, it comes from. Well, even more than that, the good thing back then, of course, was that when we were doing this back in the day is we used real film. So you always had right. your your uh, negatives to, you know, verify what you had. And uh, with digital, that's the problem with it. It's digital. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a big difference uh, between uh, actual film and digital. Because di digital is actually a created image versus a captured image. So that's the difference. Anyway, sorry, Molly, we kind of kidded up that from no, you. We digressed. Let me, you, let me ask you guys a question then, because I yeah. completely agree with you, Ron. I mean, there's so the technology is amazing, but it's also scary as hell because, mm -hmm. you know, you can shop like the president and Taylor Swift on the moon and, you know, yeah, it looks great. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so with, with all the new technology and everything that we have at our fingertips, what do you guys feel is still the most definitive evidence out there. You want to answer that first, and then I can <laughs> crush your little heart. Um, yeah, you can probably crush my heart. But I know that, Ron, you know, when you, for me, Marley, um, it's more everybody together. So, for instance, if I'm in a room and when we're with the group, um, you know, I'm feeling energy, we're getting EVPs at the same time, maybe we take a photo at the same time, and I'm looking, so it's a collective, it's not just one, one thing. Now, I know what I'm feeling, but I can't prove that to anybody, right? right. So, exactly. so, to me, I think it's helpful to have all of those pieces together, right? Um, and I know that what in the past, let's say, there's been conversations which I personally, from doing readings, can disprove to some extent. And one of those being, oh, you're reading people's energy. You're not necessarily connecting to spirit, right? But when you're connecting with a client, let's say, and they live in Texas, and you're picking up information that's taking place in Texas, unbeknownst to a person that's sitting next to you, and they don't find out about it until they go back and they call you and go, oh, this was happening at the exact same time we were talking. Well, to me, you're talking to spirit. You're not talking, you're not reading that person's energy because they don't know any of that information. So go ahead, Ron, break my heart. Okay, okay. No, not, I, I like that. I'm not going to touch that because that's your own personal <laughs> belief. But to me, the, the most compelling uh, evidence is eyewitness testimony. Now, I know that eyewitness testimony is the most unreliable evidence around. However, uh, that being said, for instance, I was watching a uh, show, I don't know if it was on Tubby or Netflix or someplace, but it was, uh, go yeah, that's Tubi for Tubi. those who are, who are it's Tubby <laughs> to me. It's, it's a, it's a weighted channel, but go ahead. It will sorry. always be Tubby. Anyway, so it was a show called <laughs> Ghost of the Afterlife. And they had all these doctors on, by the way, Dr. Moody, uh, Van Prague. But you looked at them, of course, they were all uh, in the camp of, of life after death. So therefore, they, they were going to just present the evidence. They had. But in this story, there's a famous director, which, of course, because I'm Ron Kolick, I can't remember names. Uh, I don't remember who it was. But he had a, him, he had a new girlfriend and uh, he lived in New York. I uh, had a house in New York and he used to collect like 
tea cups and stuff like that. And they used to buy it always from an antique store in uh, Lilydale, which is uh, in New York. Mm -hmm. So he yeah. took his girlfriend there to the antique store. And when they came in, uh, one of the gentlemen was owned by two partners. One of the gentlemen was, was sitting there with his head in his hands and crying. And he, he said, well, what's the matter? He says, uh, last week, the landlord uh, raised the rent, doubled the rent. And uh, my partner uh, had a heart attack and died. So that happened. So they, they left after a while and, and they started going back to his house and they were going up the driveway and they looked over at the wood pile and over at the wood pile, there was a man sitting on the wood pile. Well, they both got scared and they ran into the house like a couple of little girls and slammed the door behind them. And then uh, the, uh, the guy says, did you, did you see that? And she says, yeah, I saw it. And she described what the person looked like. Now, he knew who it was because he recognized that person and her description ma matched his description and he knew who it was. So you had a correlation. So she had never met this man before, never knew what he looked like or everything else, but yet she was able to describe this person sitting on the log as this gentleman who had passed, which was the guy that uh, the partner from the antique store. So to me, that, that's compelling where you have someone who is unaware of the situation and yet mm -hmm. is able to come up with the verifiable, uh, you know, information. And I guess we have to wrap it up. Oh, bummer. But anyways, to me, I, that's that's one of the things. And, and we were talking about that because. We, we really need a classification for apparitions. You know, we, you know, take the one from Ghostbusters, who is a class A raper or whatever. I mean, we really do. We, those ones that are so real like that, where they, they're like a real person almost versus uh, an orb or, or a gas cloud is, is totally different. To me, this is totally far more. Yeah. Yeah. So different. Anyways, I do have to wrap it up. So I apologize for that. Um, no, it's it's fascinating. It's you could talk about this. I mean, it's it's a different way to approach looking at it, and I it's it's fascinating to talk about it. So I love chatting with you guys about it. Yeah, I mean, it's there's no right or wrong way. I mean, we don't know. That's the problem. There's many theories out there. We, you know, EMF is used so often to verify ghosts and this and that, but it it's not reliable in itself. And we don't even know how it's really, you know, there are theories that goes use EMF or whatever to materialize, blah, blah, blah. But none of it's all proven. It's just theories. So exactly. we're working. Yeah, we do have to go. I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Ghost Chronicles, uh, the original with Maureen Wood and Ron Colick. And our special guest today has been Molly Gibson. And, and thank uh, you so out, much, Molly. Check out Thank you books. guys for having me. Yeah, and uh, we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Memory Street, Bethune, Massachusetts, the Glant Messy Family Log Group, 15 High Street, not the end of Massachusetts, and our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Good night, everyone. God bless, and thank you, Molly. Good night. Good night. God bless. Thank Bye, you, guys. Molly. Bye-bye.
from goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.